0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Jesus said, Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So, whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to
1: you, Lord Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. We gather this Ash Wednesday to mark the beginning of our Lenten journey. And it's helpful to begin by talking about what Lent is and what Lent is not. Lent is not about being morbid or punitive. It is not about tearing ourselves down or whipping ourselves into some larger sense of self-condemnation. Lent is about reality. During this Lenten journey, we are invited to examine ourselves, where we have fallen short, and where we have fallen short, to repent and return to the Lord, to confess. We're invited to pray and to fast and to deny ourselves things. We are called to read and to meditate upon God's holy word. And we mark this beginning and trans- this journey to the cross. By marking foreheads, our foreheads with ashes. Somebody I ran into asked me and said, Why is it that Christians put ashes on their forehead? And I said, Oh, well that's easy. It's because it's a sign we're all gonna die. <laughs> he said, Oh, that sounds fun. But that's the reality that Ash Wednesday invites us to begin with is that none of us are getting out of this life alive. As a culture, talk about death is something that we avoid. Now, I'm not going to put anybody on the spot here, but I am curious how many of you all have an estate plan. How many of you all have your funeral planned or have you held off those discussions for another time? We don't have funerals anymore, we have celebrations of life and people don't pat die, they just simply pass, like life is a kidney stone or something. <laughs> and yet Ash Wednesday greets us head on and tells us and reminds us that we are going to die. There is nothing more moving or nothing that will bring tears to my eye as quickly as when I go and I mark my children with the sign of the cross and pronouncing that they too will one day die. I recently read an article from the New York Times about a man who had an amazing journey with death. This man's name is B.J. Miller. He was a student at Princeton University, and one night after a night of drinking and revelry with his friends, they decide that they're going to go and grab a sandwich. There's a rail junction near this restaurant and connecting the campus to the city's main train line. A commuter train was parked right there, idle and tempting BJ and his friends to climb it. Miller scaled it first, and when he got to the top, 11,000 volts shot out of a piece of equipment into Miller's wristwatch on his left arm And down his legs. When his friends got to him, they said that smoke was rising from his shoes. Miller woke up several days later at a burn unit at a hospital to discover that this was not a horrible dream. It was, in fact, his new reality. And even worse for him, he found out that one of his arms and two of his legs had been amputated. As you can imagine, a young, healthy, vibrant, college age kid who thought his entire life was in front of him, to be facing this, he wrestled with the deep and dark questions of life. Eventually, he returned to Princeton, and he majored in art history. And this, I'm going to quote from the New York Times article, because I thought it was really profound, He says that he remembers looking at slides of ancient sculptures in a dark lecture hall, all of them missing arms or noses or ears, and suddenly recognizing them for what they are, fellow amputees. We were as a class calling these works monumental, beautiful, important, but we had never seen them whole, he said. Time's effect on these marble bodies, their suffering really was understood as part of the art. He said medicine doesn't always look at bodies this way. Embedded in words like disability and rehabilitation is a less generous view. That there was an aberrant moment in your life and with some help, you could get back to what you were or approximate to it. So instead of regarding his injuries as something to get over or some life that he was trying to get back to, Miller tried to get into his new life, to see his new life as a novel challenge, like traveling through a country in the language that you didn't speak. Miller goes on to medical school. He becomes a palliative care doctor, someone who helps people transition into death. He says that parts of me died early on and there's something one way or another that we can all say. I got to redesign my life around my death and I can tell you it has been liberation. I wanted to help people realize the shock of of beauty or meaning in the life that precedes one kind of death and precedes another. He went to go work for a hospice house in California where their goal was to depathologize death. To recover death is a human experience and not simply a medical one. They impose neither medicine nor meaning into dying. Rather, as Miller puts it, they let their patients play themselves out. Whatever they had been in their life is what they're encouraged to be in their dying. He gives an example of a young man that he befriended who had helped Miller um, design and build a motorcycle that a triple amputee could drive around California and he says if you ever want to get some strange stairs just try to drive that as a triple amputee. But this young man who helped build this motorcycle was uh, diagnosed at an early age with an incurable form of cancer and he moved into the California hospice house and they asked him what he liked to do. And he says, well, I enjoy sitting around and playing video games with my friends while drinking some Bud Light. And the hospice house said, well, that's what you should do. (laughs) Talking about this man's manner of dying, Miller said this, the mission of the hospice is about wrestling death from the one-size-fits-all approach of hospitals. But it's also about puncturing of a competing impulse our need for death to be this transcendental experience, he says that it is rarely both of those. That there are lots of moments in between that are neither medical nor transcendental and it's in those places that we can find life. The dying are still very much alive and we are all dying, Miller said to the Times. We die the way that we live. One of the things that makes Christianity unique is our approach to death. We embrace death. The earliest churches were built over graves where the martyrs and the saints before had lived and died. We build graveyards and columbariums so that we can worship and pray and gather in communion with those who had died before us. One of the earliest criticisms of Christianity was the bewilderment that pagans had, that Christians not only cared cared for their own dead, but they also cared for the dead of other religions and other people and other tribes. That for some reason, these Christians were not afraid to die. I think about Constance and her companions, some Episcopal nuns in Memphis who, when the plague and fever hit that city, stayed and continued to minister and heal and pray and care for those who had gotten sick. Alexander Schmemann says that death... Death is something that has been defeated. And if there is no other hope in Christianity, it is that proclamation that death has been defeated. As St. Paul says, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, hell, where is your victory? Jason Michelli, who wrote a book called Cancer is Funny, a book that I buy those who have been diagnosed with cancer because Jason himself had been diagnosed with cancer and he knows that eventually it will kill him. He says the death that should haunt us and the death that should keep us up at night is meeting God and the good that you wanted to do but you failed to do it and the evil you did not want to do but you did anyway. The death that should haunt you is the death you've already died. Whatever it is that you have done or that you have left undone, what you have coming to you has already been given to you in the grave that we call the font, in which you have been submerged into the, to the waters of life and reborn as Christ's body. As St. Paul says in one of his letters, the death Christ died, he died to sin once for all. All of the sins. All of the sins Christ died to sin once and for all. Shelley says that this night we smudge our foreheads not to solicit God's forgiveness for our sins. We smudge our foreheads to celebrate God's once for all forgiveness of them. Amen.